Hey there, this is Gregory Williams, and I'm the senior pastor of Transform Church. Welcome to our podcast. I hope the following presentation really inspires you to deepen your faith walk and encourages you along your journey. Enjoy the message. All right, as we said, catching up with people is always fun, right? Especially people that you enjoy spending time with. There's nothing greater than having a busy week and then coming to the end of the week and realizing that you can have some friends over, you can just chill in the backyard, have a little barbecue, sit around a fire if you have a fire. Pastor Chris talked about that, how to build a fire. And just chill and have some amazing conversations. I think some of the things that I've enjoyed in my life has been sitting around a table just talking about life. And it's not anything significant. It's not anything like we're changing the world by talking about nuclear physics. We're going to just give um, some great ideas to the world. No, it's just been conversations that we've had that kind of drift from one subject to the next. But you sit there and you enjoy spending time with people because you have some snacks, you have some food, you have some good company, and you enjoy spending time with people that you have a lot of um, in things in common with. And it's kind of like a disappointment when they have to leave right at the end of the night because your conversation is going so great that you don't want it to end. Mind you, there's conversations that I've had that have been really difficult, right? Some conversations and some people, none of, none of you people, right? It's been really draining, right? You sit there and it's like, it feels like all the energy is just going out of you in this conversation or this meeting. And I've had to sit some, through some meetings in my life that have been some of the most boring meetings ever. I wish I had some matchsticks to keep my eyelids open because it's been like I've almost fallen asleep because it's just been boring meetings. And then other times you have people that schedule a meeting with you that you don't want to talk to because you know that you're going to go through some real dramatic stuff with this person because they're not the most loving person. They're not the most caring person. In fact, they don't want to do anything with you. They just want to dump on you. And you're like, you know what? I really don't want to have this conversation. And you're thinking in your head like, I don't know, meeting with this person? Or would I rather walk through a minefield? I'm like, let's see. I'll go with a minefield, right? <laughs> this is how it is with some people because you don't want to sit and have a conversation with them. But these, these are not the conversations I'm talking about. The conversations I'm talking about are great conversations. You love to spend time with this person or these people. Maybe you've been friends for them, with them your whole life. You've grown up with them, and there's a lot of stuff in common. And it's interesting, and it's chill, and it's relaxing. But usually these deep conversations happen when we have something in common and we have relationships when you've developed some sort of relationship with this person, a friendship you know, that's lasted through different times of your life. And so it's been important to have people around you that you can have these conversations with. Because most of us know, as adults, you can't share everything with everyone. There's a few set of people. You have people in your world that you talk to, that you hang out with. But there's a set of people that you can sit down and have great conversation with. It's not everyone. It's just a few. You know, thinking about this and looking at the life of Jesus, Jesus had some amazing conversations just sitting around with his disciples. 
And if you don't know this, I encourage you to read the Gospels. They had some great conversations on their journeys, when they sit down, when they had conversations during their meal times. He would teach them so many wonderful things and talk about things and share with them insights that other people didn't get to. You know, he would preach a public message and then he would sit down with his disciples after and get into it and dissect it and unpack what he just talked about. Conversations that were just private between him and his disciples. Now, if you didn't know this, the church began in small groups, right? The genesis of the church began at the very end of Jesus' time with the disciples. And this actual event, Jesus sat down for the last time with his disciples in a room. And he shared with them a meal with his followers, and he shared with them what was going to happen. They weren't ready to receive what he was about to talk about, but nevertheless, they shared a meal, they had great conversation, and he shared with them some deep insight of what was going to happen next. He unveiled, so to speak, what was going to happen. And in the next few hours were some of the most brutal times in Jesus' life because he was taken, he was beaten, and he was crucified, and ultimately, he was exercised, he was executed. But as we all know, this is not the end of the story, right? There was a resurrection, and the resurrection changed everything. Because if there was no resurrection, there would be no church. If there was no resurrection, there would be no you and me. If there was no resurrection, there would be no Christ followers. And the word would still be in a state it was before. The resurrection of Jesus transformed the world. This was the beginning of what we call the church. And the church has some fascinating and amazing stories attached to it. Some of the greatest events in history happened at the genesis of the church. These Jesus followers had gathered together and Jesus comes back and after his resurrection, he tells them, I want you to go and, and stay in this place because there's going to be some amazing thing that's happened. So these followers, they gather in an upper room and they gather together in a house. They sit down, they have conversation, they pray, they wait. And then this amazing thing happens. In the middle of Jerusalem, and at that time there was this festival happening and, and Jewish people had come from all parts of the world to gather in Jerusalem. And right in that middle of this chaotic gathering of people in the market and all the things going on because they'd come from different places, there was this amazing sound that came down. It sounded like thunder. It sounded like wind. It sounded like thing, but there was actually nothing there. And then this was the arrival of the Holy Spirit. And the disciples, they began to speak in languages that they did not know before. Right? And all the people that gathered there from various parts of the world, from Mesopotamia and Arabia and all these things, they heard these disciples speaking in their particular language. And they said, aren't these men Galilean? Maybe they're drunk, but a drunk person doesn't automatically know how to speak a different language. And so you had this amazing encounter, and Peter, he stands up, and he gives this stirring message about Jesus and who he is. And at that time, there were about 120 of them. And as soon as Peter finished preaching, the church exploded to 3,000 people. 3,000 people decided to follow Jesus on that day. 
This was the movement that birthed out of the mission and vision that Jesus had. This is what Jesus talked about when he spent time with his disciples, when he sat around that table and talked about what the future was. The resurrection of Jesus was the catalyst for the birth of the church. And these early church followers, as Christ followers, they had decided to follow Jesus and they'd come from various parts of the world. Some of them had given themselves over to to God and his mission and decided to follow Jesus. And, And they didn't have a place to gather, right? They couldn't really gather in the temple because it was a Jewish temple, and they'd come out of it. And at the start, yes, they, do go, they did go there. And you hear the story about Peter and John walking into the temple and healing this guy at the gate of the temple. But they didn't really feel comfortable gathering in the temple because this was a place of, of Jewish worship, and they'd come out of that Jewish-centric worship, and they were moving in a brand new direction, the direction that Jesus gave them. And so there were many of them there, And so these early Christ followers found it important to gather, and so they started to meet in houses. Gatherings that started around tables and foods, just like life groups that happen today. This played an essential role in the rapid growth and the ultimate triumph of this brand new Jesus movement. It's safe to say that for the first three centuries, this was the pattern of the early church. They gathered together in small groups, talking, encouraging, and speaking about things of God. People gathered in homes and spent time with each other in small groups. Meeting in the intimacy of the houses, the believers came to understand the importance of social gathering. The believers, them at that time, it was a social order of the day. You know, they lived in a society that was so vast in their world. You know, you couldn't travel easily from one city to the next because it would take you months. And so it was important for them to gather around. And so they built and created bonds of friendship that helped face the the problems that were going to come. As you read the New Testament, you'll find out that persecution hit the church. But they also became witnesses through their words and lives and their suffering who they were and who they decided to follow. Sharing how God moved in their individual lives helped encourage and uplift one another. When they went through difficult seasons, they could gather together and there was someone there that of like mind that could uplift them, could pray for them, encourage them, speak into their life and be there for them, especially when things went hard. And because of their small size, it was easy to build relationships. These Jesus followers maintained a family-like atmosphere and practiced brotherly love in personal and effective ways. Luke, who was the author of the book of Acts, who is a physician, he's a doctor, begins to document what happened in the early church. And he takes this arduous task of documenting the life and ministry of Jesus, but he also writes about the genesis of the church. And he's investigating in every detail and documenting what happened in the church for his rich friend Theophilus. Right? Theophilus was a believer in Jesus, and he was quite wealthy, and he commissioned Luke to do a, a thorough investigation into how this started because he was curious. So Luke 
very accurately begins to write down all that happened and make a historical document, a record of this early period of the church. And so Luke writes about this very important part early of the church growth. And thousands of people had come to believe in Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, the Jesus that had lived and walked among them, but had done marvelous things. And so they'd come to put their faith in him, and they had a need to gather and talk about this. And so these early Jesus followers, this is what they did. So this is what Luke, after his thorough investigation, tells us happened. And he says this, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, as we did this morning, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. See, they gathered together and talked about who Jesus was and what he did. And they listened to it from real life people. They listened to the stories that the apostles shared with them because they walked with Jesus. They lived with Jesus. This wasn't something that was an historical event. This was an event that just happened. And they were around to talk about how their experience was with Jesus. The teachings of Jesus. The miracles of Jesus. And so people would gather and be fascinated and enthralled and wonder and ask questions. And they would sit there and they would tell them stories about how they walked with Jesus and what Jesus did and how Jesus raised the dead and how Jesus healed the sick and how Jesus transformed lives. And people began to believe and follow and put their faith in Jesus because of the stories and the real life examples of people that actually walked with Jesus. That's what transformed their lives. They shared these stories. And then they would invite their fellow neighbors and, and family members and friends to gather. And they would sit there and talk and share stories. And then these stories would be taken to other groups and other house churches and other gatherings and other life groups. And they would share the miracles of Jesus. Gathering in houses still produces the same result. As we Christ fellows gather, there's something special that can happen there because Christ is still in the midst. It's an opportunity to share the stories of what God does in our life, through our life, that someone might be going through a difficult season and our story can help uplift them or we can be uplifted by hearing their story of what God is doing in their life. And friends that we've brought along that might not even know who Jesus is can hear real-life examples of how God still moves in the lives of ordinary people. And more importantly, Jesus promised that where two or three are gathered, He's in the midst. He is the unseen guest at every meeting. He is there stirring our hearts and pouring himself into us through the Spirit of God that we can be empowered to do what he's called us to do. There's so much amazing opportunities that happen when we gather together in our homes. So what do they do in these early meetings? The activities were diverse and spontaneous, but always centered around the belief in the risen Jesus. We know they broke bread together, and as Luke tells us, Jesus' instructions to remember his death and resurrection, as we did this morning. Everyone brought food and shared it. We don't know how often they celebrated the Lord's Supper, but every time they met, they would talk about 
Jesus, because that was what was in common from them. Some of them could have been carpenters and laborers or, or people that worked in different places, but they had this in common. And so Paul, who was at the start in opposition to this movement of Jesus, became a convert because of his experience with Jesus on his journey to Damascus. And so Paul begins to go around all the area and begin to plant these little churches that would then grow and morph into something better. But this is what he writes to, to the little gathering in Colossae. This is what Paul says. He says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom as you sing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with gratitude in your heart. This is what Paul says happened in these groups. They gathered together. And Paul wanted these house-gathering believers to encourage one another, share transparently what was happening in their life, even if it was a difficult season, but most of all, rejoice in God's goodness. The members enjoyed each other's presence, laughed together, cried together, struggled together, and drew closer to Jesus together. See, as human beings, we are created with this intrinsic need to be connected to community. All of us have this need in us. And some of us deny it, but all of us need community. That's where the word comes from, common unity. Community. Right? We had it in common. And the kinds of connections happened there were lasting. And when we spend time together in our small groups, it's the perfect place to have great conversations and form great connections. Because we are social creatures. We need people around us. And when we gather in life groups, we have the opportunities to grow in our relationship one with each other, to encourage one another, to share our faith with someone that might be there for the first time, to exercise the gifts of God that He has placed in us, and to spend time and help others around us who might be going through something that we've gone through. There's so much value that comes from doing life with each other. Let me put it this way. What are you missing out when you are not connected in a small group? What faith stories have you missed out on? What God moves have you missed out on? What friendships are you sacrificing? Or what are you willing to sacrifice in your faith walk when you are not there? What are you losing out on? See, Luke, who is documenting the birth of this early church, tells us the early church grew... Because these followers had relationship with Jesus and each other. It wasn't just an isolated walk by ourselves with God. And he emphasizes and reiterates this over and over again. And he tells us a little further in his documentation. He says this, They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying the favor of all people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. People were added because these people were so amazing with sharing their stories that other people could not help but come and be attracted to hearing what God was doing 
in the midst of their lives. The church was growing because of these small groups. That's how the church started. God was doing something in their little groups. And as much as we love Sunday, as much as we love gathering here, there's things that can happen only in a small group that can't happen in church. This is more of a formal setting. And there's not much interaction going on right now, is there? Are you talking to someone next to you? No, you're sitting there, you're listening to me. Because Sunday gatherings put more emphasis on teaching. This is where we learn, but groups are where you practice what you learn. Right? This is where we gather, this is where we learn, but when you go to a small group, you put in practice what you hear today. But in a group, there's time, unlike church, to ask a question. There's time to develop an idea. There's time to build conversations that can open up our hearts to questions that you might have. And it's, groups are not a replacement for church, and church is not a replacement for groups. They're two halves that produce a successful faith walk. They're both equal in our need. We can't substitute one for the other. One of the major cultural gaps between then and now is how we live. Most of us live isolated lives that occasionally interact with someone. And that leads to isolated faith that remains unstirred. But the first century Christ followers, they had a way of living that brought family, culture, and community together. It was called oikos. Oikos is a Greek word that has the meaning of family, community, and household all wrapped up in one. They didn't see themselves as individuals living individual lives separate from each other, but they saw themselves living community lives together with each other which is vastly different from how we live. Oikos is a relational word. The group of people that God has strategically put into your life that you can celebrate Jesus with and do life together with. Those in your community. And when you separate yourself from that community, you'd find yourself alone, you find yourself isolated, you find yourself struggling with your faith because you were not designed to do faith alone. So what am I trying to tell you today? I'm trying to tell you that we are created to do life together. We're created to be in each other's lives, to encourage one another, to uplift one another, to share the work of God and the story of faith from one life to another. Because as we share our faith, someone else's faith is stirred. As we hear their story, our faith is being built up. And that's when we maximize the life potential that God has placed in us because we grow together, we encourage each other, and we strengthen one another in our faith. This is the place where you get to express your gifts, share your journey, and live in each other's lives. Do life together. 
And this creates a bond of relationship that when trouble does come into your life, you don't have to do it alone. You don't have to be isolated. You don't have to struggle by yourself because you have community around you that strengthens and builds you up. And God used the oikos to extend the gospel throughout the Roman Empire. These early believers modeled transformed lives that were distinct from those living around us with distinct values and were often cross-cultural. Yet, in those crowded urban environments, people were able to see these early Jesus followers up close. They heard the testimonies, they heard the stories of transformed lives, and they could not help but be attracted to what was happening because these were real people they knew, their neighbors and their friends who were living transformed lives. And there was something different. There's something different when you come to church and I stand up here and speak to you. You don't know me, but if your neighbor tells you a story, you're more likely to believe it. Because you know them. Husbands loved their wives because of this group. Servants were treated with dignity. Married partners submitted to one another and love reigned supremely. Friends and neighbors were drawn in a life that was transformed by this new movement and community. See, we also can experience the same benefits when we choose to engage in life groups. Spending a couple of hours a month is not going to take anything away from you. It's actually going to pour something into you. Giving up a couple of hours that you think you could spend watching Netflix is more, it's not as beneficial as you coming to a life group and sharing what's in your heart that someone can encourage you. Because Netflix is not going to be there for you when you go through your problems. But the relationships you form can be there for you. Your friends, your family. So schedule it in. Decide before you leave today, see what's a, sign up for life group, ask questions, make opportunities in your life to build your faith and encourage yourself in your walk with God. Because here's the thing, you will never regret going to a life group. Some of us go, well, as what I said, you know, I don't want to talk with someone, I don't have conversations, but maybe just sitting and listening can help you in your journey of life. Being in a group is actually one of the joys of my life. I have a group that meets every Monday. And we have loads of fun. And we have great conversations. And we've built great relationships that have come out of this. And don't tell anyone, but that's the favorite part of my week. <laughs> Besides my wife. <laughs> This is one of the best times because, you know, honestly, this is where I get to express all of my gifts. And you might think it's happening here on Sunday, but it isn't. It's actually in a small group that all of it comes out. And it, it's a conversation piece that I can have with people that is not necessarily the same up here. I can share things. I hear things, I encourage things, and, and in my position, I get to hear some of the amazing stories that do come out of life group. 
because stories come by and they tell me what happened in this group and how this person's life was transformed and how this person was encouraged and how this person came out of their shell and how this person did this. And I get to hear these stories. And I also get to hear stories on Monday of how when people come to transform, how they enjoy being here and their feedback, all the stuff. And all that stuff feeds my soul. And this is what you miss out on. Stories that encourage you in your walk with God. Stories that help you when you're down. So can I encourage you today to make life with others a priority in your world? With other Christ followers? You have the opportunity to create and build brand new friendships and lasting relationships that will be there when you go through the ups and downs that are inevitable in life. And you get to share your story, you get to share your gifts, and you get to hear other people's stories that encourage you in your season. A few hours a month has so much benefits for you, your family, and your faith. So make a decision today, as I said, before you leave this place, to talk to someone about life groups, join a life group, drag someone to a life group, whatever you have to do, Get yourself there. So, as I close, I have two questions for you. What's stopping you from engaging in life groups? Maybe, you know, you said you went to life groups before, you didn't enjoy it, it was boring. Or maybe someone hurt you and said something that offended you. And you don't want to go anymore. But the person that's actually losing out is not that person that offended you, it's you. So it's time to do what Jesus says and put things behind us, forgive and re-engage. You know, one, some person once said, if you never want to be hurt, if you never want to be offended, find a room, lock yourself in that room and never talk to anyone in your entire life. No one will offend you, no one will hurt you, but you'll be alone for the rest of your life. When we interact with others, there's a chance of getting offended. There's a chance of getting hurt. There's also a chance, a better chance, of building a great relationship and friendship that can help you dif to difficult seasons of your life. Number two, who can you invite to join you in life group? Maybe you're just shy and you want to do it yourself. Well, turn to your neighbor right now and say, you're coming with me. Come on, do it. <laughs> turn to your neighbor. Say, you're coming with me. <laughs> You're coming with me to life group, right? You don't want to do life alone. You don't want to be by yourself. You want to engage in community. And you want to engage in the faith community and the strategic people that God has placed in your life. Hello again, and thank you so much for listening. I really hope that message has encouraged you. Would you please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review? This really helps others get exposed to this uplifting message. I would also love for you to share this message with a friend or someone you think would be really inspired and blessed by this. Sharing this on social media like Facebook really does help others also get this free content. I'm honored you chose to spend some of your valuable time with us. Have an amazing day.